Before we get started, three times a week, The Right Time with Bomani Jones podcast brings you the latest from technology, music, and the very best analysis of the games. Plus, we have a community of friends, including Dominique Foxworth for Foxworth Fridays. That's The Right Time with Bomani Jones, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen wherever you get your podcast, and Wednesdays and Fridays podcast are also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. Welcome to a brand new episode of VC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my man, Super Bowl champion, Ryan Clark. And Ryan, listen, I told you about your mouth, man. They always say that back in Louisiana. What you, you mean, though? Say about, you watch what you say about people <laughs> because maybe one day you're going to run into them. Well, guess what? You talk all that stuff about Juliana Pena. She joined you on the pivot. And guys, look at what she told this dude right off the top. RC. <laughs> I mean, dog, the, the 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 chickens come to roost finally because you've been DC, running, you, you've been reckless. You've been reckless DC, for months. <laughs> DC, I wasn't reckless, right? And I explained to Juliana why I thought the way I thought. Like it wasn't it wasn't in any way a slight about her. And you know, this she's like, what well, is this guy? know about MMA and this and that. And I get all that. Like I understand that those <laughs> things are gonna come with it. But DC, nobody else picked her either. Like the only people were people that people that wait, shit money. wait, you did wait. not pick her, DC. DC, Dude, wait, not pick her. Don't lie, Ryan. DC, because Ryan, DC, you, when the man you said she had a me, chance, y'all played this whole thing. Y'all played a whole thing about me, Amanda, this, Amanda, that, because y'all, because I said it was the toughest matchup for her. Ryan, why didn't you tell her that? Actually, I watched DC. the interview. You could have been like, DC was one of the ones that picked you. DC, because you didn't pick her. You never <laughs> picked her. You said that she had a chance. You said she'd been fighting well. Oh, because you said I can't a lot of because I'm a commentator. I can't. That's why I forgot. So now, but so now you're trying to lie and say you picked her when you didn't pick her. So now you can have a friend because everybody else that comes on the show loves <laughs> RC because RC gives everybody their flowers and even Juliana. Like when she won, she won, bro. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I was shocked. She was yeah. shocked. You were shocked. Everybody, like if 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 it was one of those things where we were like she's supposed to win, then it's not it's not one of the greatest shocking defeats or upsets in the world. Listen, mm-hmm. uh, Amanda Nunes is the goat of women fighters. When you look at the list of people she has beaten, and not only just beaten DC, dominated inside of the octagon, it wasn't even to me about. Juliana Pena. This this was this was my thought process, and I'm gonna say this, yep. you know, because I didn't really get to explain it to her, right? Carl Malone, yep, yep, and in yep. two of the last, and Carl Malone wins the MVP, so he's yep, supposed yep, to yep. be the the and best Mike player in basketball, and then we like, but he playing Mike, Mike's mm-hmm. the goat, right? Charles Barkley wins the MVP, and what Mike said, and I took that personally, right? And he goes out and does his thing. So sometimes it's not necessarily about who you are. It's about who the other person is. But the one thing I can say about Juliana, man, was, you know, once we got past that and we started to talk a little bit about who she was and the way that she's become a, became the champion, uh, the adversity she's going through, the different things, it truly gave me a, a new respect for it. Honestly, yeah. You know, you're the only UFC champion or true UFC fighter that I'm close to that I that that I get to know in a way outside of the fight game. And so it was cool to have an opportunity to sit down with her and truly talk about her journey. And I I do think 
that's something we all have to do a better job of as this sport becomes continues to become the global phenomenon that it is is to make sure we you know get some of these fighters an opportunity to show the world that they are truly people the same way football players always want the same Mm -hmm. thing yeah absolutely to be able to tell their stories but honestly it was a great interview man i I think you guys do a fantastic job crushing it and to see juliana well here's the thing right and that was was the beauty in it right juliana was able to just address it right away and that's the problem with people in the world today. Nobody wants to say nothing. But when you deal with yeah. fighters, they'll tell you. And you as a, as an athlete yourself was like, hey, look, I'll tell you why it was like yeah. that. But it was great, man. I enjoyed it. And it, it it tells me that that whole little spiel you went on on Amanda Nunes, that you still believe the Amanda Nunes stuff. So you're going to be looking forward to the ultimate fighter 30 that's about to come up with those two as the coaches. And the so you picking. So if you get to pick, you're telling me right now. If I you can't pick, pick we don't I know. can't pick. See, that's why I'm safe, right? I can't pick. I'm a politician. I'm Sweden. I'm like neutral. I'm just, I'm neutral. So I'm good. And it's Switzerland. It's Switzerland. Switzerland. Sorry, I'm Switzerland. <laughs> yeah, I'm Switzerland. I'm neutral. I'm Switzerland. I'm neutral. I don't have to choose. But Ryan, we're talking about rematches. There was another rematch last weekend. Malal Muhammad. Yeah. Called Vicente Luque. Vicente mm-hmm. Luque knocked him out the first time. It was a not early, early in the fight. One minute, one minute into the fight, he knocks him out. Saturday, Law Muhammad in Law Muhammad fashion earns out a decision using his wrestling Mm -hmm. and honestly really improved striking to uh, get a victory over a guy that just starched him in the first time. So when you leave that, and that's Mm -hmm. always a question I wonder from uh, a person that me, I'm sitting in there. I like wrestling, right? But wrestling's not the most appealing thing to most people. Decisions aren't the most appealing thing to uh, the target audience. But when you leave that fight on Saturday, do you feel more of an idea that Bilal's a true contender? Or are you just like, ah, well, he's good, but he's not. He doesn't jump off the page like Hamzat and Kobe and all those other guys. Yeah, no, I think I think that's exactly what you feel. Now, the one thing you do feel about Bilal Muhammad is that he's improved yep. and that he's made adjustments. Because when you look, at that fight compared to the first, you were right. He held his own in the striking enough to get those takedowns round by round. And even though even though there wasn't a ton of punishment, I would say, done in some of those takedowns, there was a lot of ground control, right? And he controlled that fight, whether it was on the feet or when it got down to the mat. And so that's one thing that we have to focus on. And he called out what he called Karen Kobe Covington <laughs> after the fight, you know, and I think when what we saw, at least to me, when we got to watch uh, Kamzat Chamaya fight Gilbert Burns, is that there is a difference in the level of fighter. That, that, that when you do get into those top three, those top four fighters, there is a difference in what we see there. And I don't know if the win over Vicente Luque puts Bilal Muhammad in that conversation, at least right now, with those guys before uh, Hamza uh, Chimaya would get to fight Kobe. You know, we wouldn't skip Bilal over him for that fight. And I think more people would anticipate that fight than they would, you know, uh, Muhammad fighting him after one win. But it's, it's good. I think it puts him in the conversation for another top five fight. And if he's able to win that, say he gets a Gilbert Burns because Gilbert loses that and he wins like, this fight, that that's a matchup. Likely. That yes. seems more likely than the Kobe Covington thing, right? Because when Dana goes out and says Hamzad versus Kobe may be next, 
that's probably the direction that we're going. Let's just be honest. You can call Kobe Covington out. You can do, unless he would have went out there and knocked out Vicente Luque in the first round, we're probably still full steam ahead towards Kobe and Hamzat. Now, when I go back to Saturday, I remember going into the fight not knowing who was going to win because Luque has shown on so many occasions. Now, even when he lost a fight, he had a five-fight streak loss. They had a four-fight streak. He's shown an ability to finish on the feet, finish on the mm-hmm. ground, and just a confidence, man. His technical skills are second to none. But Bilal Muhammad has this way about himself, making these guys, these pretty fighters, these fighters that seem to be the ones that you cannot take your eyes off of, look very normal. And that's what he did to Vicente. But he did it in a surprising fashion. Generally, he's a forward-facing guy. Pressure, walk you down, get you to the side of the octagon, take you down. This time it was lateral movement. It was opportune times to throw in strikes where he would land, land, get away. Land, land, mm-hmm. get away. And if Vicente would think, okay, we're striking. Here comes Bilal's takedown. I thought it was a well-executed game plan. I thought that it was exactly what he needed in order to keep himself in the conversation because now he's on like a seven-fight win streak. I mean, the dude is, 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 is burning red hot. But I think when you beat Wonderboy in the way that you did, nobody's ever done that to Wonderboy. Take him down and hold him down. And you beat Vicente Luque in the way that you did. 49-46 across all scorecards. Yeah. yeah. Tremendous wins. But it's not that star-making win that you need to truly, like, elevate yourself. He'll get a big fight, but he won't get a Kobe Covington. He won't get a Hamzat. I think he's going to end up getting a Gilbert Burns, which is as risky a fight as any fight in the division, especially when the guy is coming off of a loss against Hamzat Chimaev. Yeah, I think that's the that's the hard part about this division. And I truly believe, DC, and you think about the light heavyweight division that was dominated by you and John Jones for so long. When you have these kind of iconic champions or mm-hmm. just these elite level champions like a Kamaru Usman, you tend to forget that they're championship level fighters one through five. It's yes. just that the dude at the top is so good. And so dominant. And so now, if you think about the welterweight division, DC, how do you see some of these matchup in, oh, matchups in the division where you have, you know, you have, you still have Jorge Masvidal, you have hey. Leon Edwards, Gilbert Burns, Hamzat Chimaev, Kobe Covington, you know, Neil Magny. Like, who are some of the guys or some of the fights that you'd want to see happen right now? Because it almost seems that after Kamaru Usman fights Leon Edwards, we have to be hoping for Hamzat Chimaev win over Kobe Covington. And we're seeing the same thing over and over again. I mean, you need to get your pen and paper out, bro, and let us know what's going down. You want it? You must want it. If you're asking for matchmaking, you must want it. So I'm going Usman versus Edwards. A. Okay. Thank goodness, right? Because poor Leon Edwards, man. Dude done one 10 out of 11 fights, and he's finally getting his title shot. I'm going Kobe versus Hamzat. All right, you agree with that? I'll do, I do. Burns versus uh, Bilal. Now I'm matching up. That's the whole top five. But but here's the thing, right? There's a guy that is on his way up. He just got into the top 15. I think he's one of the dark horses in the division. I mean, Sean Brady, right? Philadelphia okay. kid, insanely tough, very gifted. He's undefeated since he's gotten into the UFC. 
I think at some point, this kid, right, needs, and I'm not certain if he's matched up yet, but I'm putting Brady. I'm giving Brady an opportunity inside of the top 10. I'm sure I'm I'm missing people. I'm sure there's guys in there. Uh, Neil so Maggie, Right. So, so DC, what do you think? So you think, so, so now that Sean Brady, right? He, cause he is the name that that's moving in the rankings. I think he's in the top 10 now. He is. He and is, so, he is. and right. And, and so, so would you think if he gets an opportunity, maybe against a Vicente uh, Luque who just lost as he, I put it, my brother, you try, wait, you try to take my job. I'm sure Shelby, I'm sure Shelby, I got Holla at me, Dana. Edwards. Cause Shelby is the guy. So Shelby's the guy that matches welterweight, right? So I am the Black Sean Shelby, right? I put it on the bottom of my page. The Black Sean Shelby. The Black Sean Shelby. The Black Sean Shelby says, Usman versus Edwards. Kobe versus Hamzat. Hamzat, oh my goodness. Burns versus Bilal. Brady versus Luke. Magni versus Masvidal. Because guess what? Neil Magni deserves an opportunity. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say Wonderboy Thompson, who is somewhere in the top 10 because he always lives in the top 10, doesn't deserve a fight. But right now, the division is moving in a different direction. And honestly, for Masvidal, coming off of the loss to Kobe, the two losses to Kamaru, it's time for him now to kind of pay it forward, right? Go and fight a guy yeah. in, in Neil Magny who's who's still hanging around two longtime veterans where it just makes sense. But that's what we got, champ. We got five fights within the top 10. Usman versus Edwards. Kobe versus uh, Hamzat, Burns versus Bilal, Magni versus Masvidal, Sean Brady versus Vicente Luque, because I believe at this point, Sean Brady, the Philadelphia guy, the tough, hard-nosed kid, wrestler, grappler, striker, can do it all, deserves an opportunity to stand across from one of the absolute best welterweights in the world, and we can see how far he can move up this division. No, I think I think you know how it goes, man. Exposure leads to expansion and opportunities lead to championships. And if you don't get those, if you don't get those things, you don't get the you don't get the gold. You don't get the money. And so I believe that as you win and to D.C., we also have to think. And, and it's not like Gilbert Burns is going anywhere or, or the Kobe Covington's are going anywhere. No. Kamaru Usman, the Leon Edwards. But we always have to start thinking about who's going to be the new blood. Next. Who becomes the next contenders? And a guy like Sean Brady can do that. I mean, but that's that's also if we're thinking about fairness, right? Like favor ain't my mama got a saying. You know, my mama stay in church, bro. You know, she's one of them, <laughs> them, them, them Southern Baptist black women. You know yep. what I mean? And the one thing about her, she says favor isn't fair. And when you think about a guy like Hamzat Chemaev, who got an opportunity against a Gilbert Burns to put himself in that position, not everybody gets that. Like, it doesn't have to be fair. But what does have to be fair, DC, though, is the strikes in the octagon. And if we go back to, to this Saturday, and, you know, it's it's so crazy. You know, I'm blessed. I can be honest. I'm blessed to be on a group chat with you and a lot of other yeah. people that just truly love the MMA and lo love MMA and love the UFC. And you said there's never been a strike you thrown that wasn't intentional. And not necessarily like intention, intentionally to hurt or whatever it is. But if you're throwing a strike, you understood why you were throwing it, when you were throwing it, and where you were throwing it. Can you kind of explain to the people what you mean by that when it pertains to the legal strikes that we saw on Saturday? You know what? You know what kind of sucks is uh, Kyle Bahario, Kyle Bahario 
was fighting a masterclass of a fight in his UFC debut um, in a co-main event, uh, nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Mm -hmm. other kid that was beating Chris, uh, beating Huggy Bear, um, was fighting in a, a beautiful fight. So I don't want to make it as if I am crapping on these young athletes. I'm not. They were fighting great fights, but what they did was illegal. Now, right when I say everything I threw was with intent, right? Everything I did was with intent in the, the, the in this regard. If I threw a jab, the intent was to figure out what I could do next to land to something more damaging. If I threw a right hand, the intent was to land it and try to hurt my opponent. If I shot for a takedown, the intention was to get that takedown. Everything I did was with intent. When you got a guy like Huggy Bear on the ground and he, you're, you're dropping ground and pound, and you elbow him behind the head is because you are intentionally trying to find the shot that is going to end the fight for you, even if it's illegal, right? Even if it's an illegal shot and you don't mean for it to be illegal, your intention is still to end the night. So when Mm -hmm. it strays, when it strays, you still intentionally threw an illegal strike. When Bahalio has his opponent beating him up, it starts to look like he's going to finish the fight. When he jams that knee, he is throwing that knee with the intent to finish the fight, even if he did not understand the rule, even right. if he did not do it purposely, there was still intent. So there's a difference between purpose and intent. And I think that is where it's getting skewed. Look, if you salvage a no contest out of those situations, best case for the guy that is doing it. You know, we do a lot of things in our life, Ryan, where we get into trouble. And if the worst case was to get your butt whipped by your mom, because when we grew up, you could still right. whip. Yes. You still could get whipped. Heck yeah. But if best case was to go in the corner and get on your knees or just to be punished, then you wanted to take the best case scenario. For them, that's a no contest, <laughs> right? Getting yeah. is the DQ. Getting the no contest for these guys should right. be getting sent to your room uh, for the weekend. And I think that we're making mistakes in, in terms of how we are judging intent. Yeah, and I think that's the that's the other thing, though, is when we get to that moment, DC, the rules should be the rules, you know, and, and I think I think sometimes we're trying to see how does the guy feel let, let, let let's force him back into the, to the fight. But we also see the fighters right looking off to the side, trying to see, OK, guys, like, <laughs> what's, what's our move here? You like, see, can, you I, see. can, you can I win this thing? Can I win <laughs> this thing? Can I not? No. But what I'm saying is, DC, if if we don't leave it up to interpretation, right, if, if, if it is this happens, DQ, no contest, whatever it's going to be, and it's over, then it's done. You know, and I, and yeah. I think it takes it takes out who's who's winning, who's dominating and all yeah. of those things to that point. But the, the one thing that we have been through and that we've seen is we've seen this before in a championship fight. And Aljermaine Sterling went through it. So let's get Aljermaine on the line for one round with him. And maybe he can give us a little more clarity on what happens when you get some of these illegal strikes. All right, guys. Now it's time to go one round with the champ, Aljermaine Sterling. Now, listen, call him Aljo. Don't call him the champ because it don't matter who you are. This dude going to check you. And he checked me a couple of weeks. Hey. I said, champ, can I get an interview? Dude kind of checked me right. a little bit. I was like, Ryan, I felt played. 
DC, DC, we could tell he was in great shape. He had been in the weight room, right? He had been conditioning for the yeah, fight yeah. against Piotr, but he better recognize DC. Yeah, you he a heavyweight. His weight class here, is for dog. a reason. You better recognize game out here, dog. But <laughs> hey, hey, RC, he was in great shape uh, a couple yeah, weeks man. ago. He's in great shape right now. He's a little fluffier. And if you pan that yeah. camera down a little bit, he just put a plate down. Big boy <laughs> win 176 two weeks after the fight. Aljo, you're living good right now, huh, my man? Oh, yeah, definitely, man. Much deserved and earned, I would say. Um, I'm trying to get my weight back under control. Right now, I'm the chunk master. I'm trying to get back to the funk <laughs> <pump> master. <laughs> hey, man, after you have a big win like that, and it truly goes um, in the fashion you planned it to, when you look back at the fight where you made it without a doubt that you are the champion, what do you think went right for you that night in the octagon? If I'm being honest, as I've been saying for 13 months, all I had to do was make sure I ate the proper way the day of the fight. Because the last time, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I, I don't think I was thinking at all. I was just focused so much on the fight that I forgot that I needed to eat because I had 10 hours before I fought. And uh, it showed in my performance. And this time it showed like when I'm when I'm full belly Aljo, I'm a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Aljo, so you and I spoke on Monday. I'm driving my kids to school. I get a text message from you. You're like, I told you. Like, I mean, really, you just you literally just sent me a text that said, I told you. I called you immediately. And we <laughs> went through the fight a little bit. And you said after round three, you were like, listen, man, all I got to do is not fumble this, right? All I got to do is not fumble. How are you so sure after those first three rounds? Because in round two, you won. I thought you should have got a 10-8. Round three, you won. But in round one, it was so razor thin. How are you certain that you had done enough that if you lost round four and five, you would still get the victory and retain your championship. Well, after round one, I don't think he landed anything of significance. I know they were trying to count the stats and they were trying to say that was a hard kick because I fell back into the cage. Well, I think that happens to anybody who's using a lot of footwork when someone tries to throw a hard kick and it didn't even hit me to the body. I checked it and me checking it out of the way, trying to get out of the way from the brunt of that kick, pushed me back into the cage. So I'm like, none of those strikes really landed in my head. So the way I'm counting it is like, I'm actually landing the cleaner strikes that are actually sticking. And if you want to call it a light strike, you call it a light strike. But when we're both throwing less than 20 strikes and I have at least right. seven or eight more than he does, I think I easily went around, especially when I crush his head with the elbow that stumbles him backward. That's that's a hard strike. That was the most significant strike of the fight. So in the, in the in that round. So in my opinion, I thought I was up three rounds comfortably. And I even thought I had two 10, eight rounds. I should have at least had one in, in that the second, second round. round in the second round. Yeah, I've said sure. it. I said it. 10, eight second round for me. They said there was no threat of a finish, but that's not how the scoring criteria goes. It's duration, mm -hmm. damage and uh, fight ending or criteria or something like that. So who a couple told, submission. Who told, you that was no, who told you that, though, that there was no threat of a finish? Like, who have you spoken to? The fans and clearly about? the judges. Oh, wow. I mean, they all put 10-9. So I'm not, you know, I'm glad they scored it the right way that the right guy won. But mm -hmm. they need to go back and look at that and, and try to figure out why is it that they gave this a 10-9 the same way they scored the, the first round, the fourth and the fifth, when that round was completely dominated by myself with big ground and pound strikes. So people want to say I did. I that hugged is them. why. And that is where I thought the score was Jack, because there were times where you were on top of him just landing damaging elbows. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I'm not a judge, but I'm going by the scoring criteria. So in my in my head, I, I easily skated away with that that fight. And I kind of gave away the rounds four and five 
Someone yeah. was trying to tell me that I like Jan made adjustments. I'm like, dude, he didn't make any adjustments. <laughs> I hung out and gave him those positions because in my head, the same thing I thought in the first fight, if I could win the first three rounds, I can stall the last 10 minutes and win the fight. It was kind of like what I did with this one. I'm like, man, I'm comfortably winning. I don't need to do too much. Just don't get knocked out, which I'm like, there's no way I'm going to do that when I'm using footwork. Um, but yeah, so, you know, so obviously the fight, anything could happen, but in my head, I was comfortably up. So how has the, the perception of your championship changed since winning this fight? We all knew all the stuff people threw at you, uh, threw at you after the last fight. Obviously, it was an illegal knee. No way that you could continue fighting and not be compromised. But you go out and you prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that you were more prepared, that you were ready to go, and that you are the best in your division. How has the perception of you as a champion changed since you dominated in the fashion that you did? Uh, it's night and day. And um, I, I think the main thing that people are starting to pay attention to is like everyone was saying, Jan by murder, Jan by whatever he wants. They're like, oh, Sterling, he looks like he's in great shape. Oh, yeah, by the way, Jan by murder. I'm like, okay, you guys are funny. You guys really think I have no chance in this fight. But now you're starting to see these guys kind of grasping at straws, trying to make anything stick to say he won the fight. I'm like, all right. Um, but for the most part, the, the perception definitely changed and people gave me a lot more respect just for winning the belt that way, as opposed to the other way. Um, I mean, no one wants to win the belt like that. Um, and the fans antagonizing me is literally right. the reason why I went that route and, uh, cause and effect. So people are saying I, I was starting to act. I'm like, show me at what point of that, that after that knee, I started to act like watch the tape and show me at what point you could go right here. Right here, he was acting. He was clearly <laughs> right. acting. Show me that, please. Because everybody else that gets hit with illegal strikes, apparently these guys are all professional fighters, but it is what it is. Right. I got the last laugh, and I got to prove that. Like I said this entire time, I knew I knew who I was going into that fight, and I know who I am still, and I showed everybody that it's still you know, and still. You know, but listen, they can all judge, but you're the only one sitting atop the world right now. Now, Aljo, yep. here's a thing that's changing in mixed martial arts, right? Guys are showing up to the arena fresh mm -hmm. as can be. And look, I'm not wanting to dress, but my he boy was Ryan Clark, hey, Ryan Clark is clean. And we about to start this little segment on the show called Step and Fly <laughs> with Ryan Clark and that jacket, Eljo. Hey. I mean, that pink jacket. Come on, man. Yeah, listen, man. I was like, I got to come in looking like a champ and show everybody that yeah. I'm feeling good and this is what confidence looks like. Uh, I remember when we were picking out the fabrics, I was like, Nah, this, this is going to have everybody geeking. If I come out with this and then, of course, get the win, it's like, that's a, that's a double whammy right there. Like, that just shows, like, I'm not coming here to take part, man. I'm coming here to, to show out and uh, collect everything, man. That's, check that's really boy, it. Check my boy Clark style, though. My boy Clark wore a jacket a little bit ago. It was like, wow, these, but so, so you're telling me that your body got to look like you and Ryan to dress like that, Aljo? Are no, DC. Are y'all body shaming the big boy DC, out here? You got, a, you got enough money where you can pay for all that fabric, bro. You can pay <laughs> That's it, it. That's hey, it. You just got to pay to pay for the fabric. But Aljo, <laughs> now you can't walk into the arena like that and, and then take an L. So you, you came in the arena, like you said, you didn't come <laughs> to take part. You came to take over, which you did. The outfit to the fight. But it was also after the fight, when you got the microphone, you did what you have to do. And it's about calling out the people you want to fight. So now it's TJ Dillashaw. He's standing outside the ring. He's out there with the tattooed hands. He He's saying the B word and he ready to go. How do you feel about that fight? And is that something you really want against a former champion like him? 
Oh, 100%. I feel good about the fight. I, I do think if it was a three-headed horse um, between him, Jose Aldo, and, and Henry Cejudo, I think TJ's probably the, the, the fight that I, I would be more enticed by in the sense of what he has accomplished in the Bantamweight division. So for me, um, I think that's the fight that I want. Um, people want to see that fight. I mean, his performances haven't looked too great as of late. So I kind of want to ask him, what's it like to, you know, be on the sauce and coming off of it? You know, so I mean, that's <laughs> no, you're so like open about him being you so you're so open about him. And you, you just don't believe that TJ was clean ever. I mean, I think before his uh, John Dotson fight, I think um, he he was kind of regular. And then after that, he kind of turned a corner like really, really quick. And uh, I don't know, man, like his teammates kind of his teammates out of him when <laughs> He fought Cody Garbrandt, and he said, you showed the team how to do it. And the oh media brushed it under the rug. And it's there for anyone that wants to go listen to it. So then you're trying to tell me this is the only time he's ever done it. Your teammates just threw, just threw you under the bus, bro. So <laughs> you can't tell me anything that that guy has competed clean. Like, his entire legacy to me is tainted. But I'm, I'll gladly step up in there with him, I, like I have done probably with countless other people. And... um just still see who the better man is. Cause I think that's a mentally weak person. And I want to go out there and show what hard work could really do. Hey champ, before mm -hmm. we let you go and like, first off, where we from, those are fighting words. Those are called fighting words. No question. Right now. Uh -huh. no you question. might as well put that thing on his shoulder and slapped it off talking about his mama. <laughs> but those are fighting <laughs> words, dog. Those are fighting words, but ultimately you guys will get to fight. But I got a question for you. People judge you so harshly about the illegal knee. Last weekend, Aljo, we went through some stuff with the illegal strikes that went to the scorecards. Like, give me some thoughts on this, man, because I said to myself, both should have been disqualified. I said it on, on the broadcast, yeah. but then you get this vitriol from the fans like, DC, what about when you poke Stipe in the eye? Well, everybody poked me in the eye. We just, it happens. But what do you think about that? Like, did, did uh, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, uh, the referee, did he make a mistake Mergliata. by not disqualifying or Mergliata? Did he make, was he, was it him in both fights? It was him in both fights too. Was it a yep. mistake to not disqualify? Or do you think you go to the judges scorecards because it would seem as though you and I are fighting or you and Piotion fighting. You up 3-0, you punch him square in the balls. <laughs> I mean, you punch him square between the legs <laughs> and you go to the judges scorecards, you win without running the risk of getting knocked out. Yes, it, which is why this is, the system is so flawed and J John McCarthy and all the other guys that, or the blueprint standard, whatever the rules are flawed, man. If you are winning the fight and you could just get away with that, like then why even like, why even have the, the rest of the rounds? If the guy threw the strike intentionally to your head, when you're, when you are down, he intentionally meant to knee you in the which head. One do you think, which one do you think was worse? The elbow or the knee? Uh, you know, the elbow is a little bit of a gray area. Cause it's obviously the head and mm -hmm. the little Mohawk thing is so, hard to define because they're like if any piece of the glove touches um the ear then it's or any part of the fist touches the ear now if you have big hands you could touch the ear and crush me in the back of the head at the same <laughs> time so the rules are kind of like that 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 one in particular for me is a little bit difficult but the one when the guy has a hand down and you launch the knee directly at his head intentionally yeah how is that a discrepancy there is no way you could say that's an inadvertent unintentional foul that is a illegal blow intentionally thrown that is a disqualification at worst or at best 
a, a no contest. No contest. Yep. You, mm-hmm. can't, you can't you can't discredit that and try to say, well, you guys fought this much of the fight. Like, dude, come on, man. What are we doing? We're going to enforce the rules or not. I, I, I think the commissions, they need to take a look at the rule book and really make these adjustments. Like, I'm not trying to be the, the hero and die on this hill. But, guys, there are rules for a reason. And if guys are going to mm-hmm. be able to bend the rules to get wins and get collect W's, that, that changes someone's career. Um, them potentially getting cut. It, there's a lot that goes into this, especially financially, right? So mm-hmm. what are we talking about? We got, we, got, we got to do the right thing. Yeah, and unfortunately, and the reason I wanted to ask you was because you went through the same type of situation. You yeah. won the belt on the disqualification, exactly. whereas these kids... And look, we're not crying to crap on these two kids because they both were fighting beautifully. They won those fights and deserved the credit that they got for winning, but uh, still illegal, and you should pay for it. Champ, thank you for taking a few moments out of your day, man. Get back. DC better stop calling that man. That one, oh. one thing oh. that that one guy he had his hand down. He got <laughs> kneed in the face. He took it like a G. The ref came over and said something, and all of a sudden that hey. my man started rolling over. <laughs> you, said, you said all hey, Aljo. Hey, Aljo. it's a late reaction. Uh, I was, DC, can you go? I don't know. I, the disqualification? Or are we going to the judges? Like, come on, man. Like, what is happening? Hey, champ. Oh man, I call it to him again, Ryan. This boy gonna get me. He gonna hey. get on you, though. We go, hey, we gonna jump him. No trip. The old people, we gonna jump him. Yeah, yeah, we gonna have to jump this boy. Thank you for joining us, Aljo. You the man. I appreciate you, man. Thanks, fellas. RC, you told me I better stop calling that man champ. That's kind of mm, a you see it. That's a little bit of a. That's like a weird like deal, right? Like, don't call me the champion. Maybe last year I get it because of the way that he yeah. won the belt. But maybe yeah. now he's more open to it. But as always, Aljo's a fun interview. And Aljo, yes, Aljo got a problem. He ain't afraid to tell you about it. Like, Aljo will tell you about his problem. I love that, though. I love that. That's the same thing we talked about with Juliana early on in the show, man. Yep. You know, fighters. But fighters fight, though, DC. Like, I used to yeah. try to tell people. I used to try to tell people all the time. Like, it was truly something that I had to learn in the real world. Right? You know, because, like, like, I own a gym. And probably, like, my, my first three years there, because I'm working on the floor, I was about to fight, like, three or four times. And, <laughs> you know, and it, and it was, like, adult people. Like, it wasn't, like, little people or, like, teenagers. Yeah. But it was just one of those things to where we'd be talking trash. You know, and I tell people all the time, the best trash talkers have facts on their side. And as yep. I'm talking trash to somebody who I've accomplished more than, obviously, I'm going to be able to hurt your feelings. And I'm good at it. it right? hurts, like, I can too. talk. When right? And so then they, is over. Right. And so then they kind of like buck up and I'm like, oh, like we could just fight then. But I had to, I had to, (laughs) right. But you, but you have to realize though, DC, that that locker room, you know, gym mentality that we grow up with, that we understand that's not even aggressive. It doesn't work in real life. And so that's, you got to shut shut it off. But I'm telling you, you know, like, I think it's one of those things we're talking about shedding it off, right. Shedding off the competitiveness, shedding off. Uh, what some would call violence, uh, shedding off the stupidity or the bravery that makes you guys great fighters or makes mm-hmm. us great football players. John Jones hasn't been a guy that shed it off. John Jones hasn't been a guy that's been disciplined about understanding here is what fighters do and here is what men do mm-hmm. away from the octagon. But Dana White is eyeing a return for yeah. John Jones. And I think it's a return or at least a fight or a matchup that matchmaker DC has always had in mind for an interim title, which would be against former champ uh, and someone you had a great trilogy with, Stipe Miocic. What do you feel about Dana saying this is a fight that he wants to make? I think this is a, the fight. I mean, I think that 
based on credentials, based on accomplishments, this is the fight to make. And honestly, um, for a time, it didn't look like Stipe playing that same game where he was going to wait was going to pay off. But now it seems like it's going to pay off. It seems like it's going to work out to where he's going to end up fighting uh, for some part of the heavyweight championship of the world. And I believe that that is exactly the way it should be. When you got a guy in Jones, who's one of the most credentialed fighters we have ever seen inside the octagon, I understand all the stuff that happens outside. But when it comes time to uh, fighting inside the octagon and you can almost isolate him from himself, you put him in there with Miocic, the greatest heavyweight of all time, uh, on International Fight Week, which are absolute bangers every single time. You remember last summer, Poirier versus McGregor three. Yeah. Uh, it's a great weekend that needs to be headlined by a great fight. And I believe that this is an evenly matched fight because I've been in there with both of the guys, right? I, mm -hmm. Jones has different weapons than Miocic, but Miocic has some crazy weapons himself. For right. a big guy, uh, he does a lot of things really, really well. And what I believe that is interesting in the matchup also is that Jones will be the 205-pounder coming up. Steve Bay mm -hmm. is a lifetime heavyweight. Jones will be bigger. Because if you look at Jones now, yeah, he is big, his social bro. media, he's a big boy. And Miocic yeah. has been slim for a while. So a lot of different storylines playing into this one because the Steve Bay put on weight, the Steve Bay stays small. Does Jones get smaller as he approaches the fight? Like, it would be a fantastic fight on a fantastic weekend. And uh, you and I can watch it from the stands together. Man, you know what I, I do love about what, what, what this will be is that it's not let's warm John Jones up. I think mm -hmm. it's the UFC understanding that his, his appeal only, only gets smaller if we try to build John Jones into a heavyweight. You know Started right away with a risky. huge fight. I think it's too risky. I, I honestly think it's too risky to let him fight anybody else a heavyweight because yes, I what agree. if he loses? Which is yep. a very high possibility. Yeah, and I think I think that's where like that's where we are too. Is that we're trying to get back to the heavyweight champion truly being the baddest man in the world. And when you have a guy like John Jones and a former champ like Stipe Miocic, who is you know the greatest heavyweight champ of all time, based on what he's done in the octagon, I think that's something that people are going to want to see. International Fight Week's going to be crazy. Me and you are going to be out there all week. Hopefully, Glenn, let us do the show in yeah, Vegas. Man, uh, on, Glenn, man, you know what I'm saying? Have a good time. <laughs> but that's not the only, that's not the only heavyweight uh, bout that, that, that's coming up in combat sports. Because we have Tyson Fury and Dylan White who are going to fight at Wembley Stadium. Now, this is the first time Tyson Fury, Tyson Fury has been back there and fought on his home turf since 2018. It's also one of those crazy things of, do we care as much about this fight as we have the Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury trilogy? I think sometimes when you come off of something that's so big with a personality that's so huge, the next thing is like a letdown, you know, because for so long, he was the only guy we felt was in the same that was was in the same tier as the Tyson Fury. And now we move on to this fight. How do you feel about Tyson Fury getting an opportunity to defend his championship belt on his home turf? You know, Ryan, you are so right about uh, the next thing when something's so big. So I think what they're doing in this one is they're going to rely on the environment, right? 
90,000 expected back home for the first time. Like you said earlier, um, the environment can uplift just about anything. You know, you put a fight in front of 100,000, 90,000 people. It's going to seem bigger and more massive than anything you've ever seen. Now, Dylan White's a talented fighter. But when you talk about Tyson Fury and his evolution from being a great fighter to having the, the, the abuse issues and everything that, that derailed him for a while to working his way back to being the heavyweight champion of the world. I remember going into the Klitschko fight. You thought that he was just another guy, cannon fodder, for Klitschko to beat and continue yep. to defend his championship. All of a sudden, Tyson Fury wins, and he wins impressively. Mm -hmm. And then you look right. at this guy like, wow. After all that, Tyson Fury is, is back. Tyson Fury at one point weighed 400 pounds. Now Tyson Fury makes Crazy. the weight, and he fights, and he knocks people out. We watch Tyson Fury rise from the dead like the Undertaker, son. Undertaker, man. Undertaker, popped up on that too. Like, no one's ever seen no stuff like that in Los Angeles. We watched him rise from the dead, son, like the Undertaker. But if you have dealt with the demons that he has had to go through over the course of his life and his career, nothing can deter you. And to see him go back home, 90,000 in Wembley Stadium, it is going to be absolutely electric. So, yes, it'll be hard to live up to the fights, right? The, that moment in fight one the way Tyson just rolled through Deontay in fight two to the mm -hmm. evenly matched fight three. Yeah. It would be difficult to find another heavyweight to match him on that level. So you rely on the stories and the environment surrounding the fight to elevate it. And I think they got that right. Yeah. And I, I think you, 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 you have to maneuver in a way. And I think this is where the UFC has not only caught boxing, but actually moved beyond them in, in getting some of these elite fighters opportunities to fight in mm. front of their home crowd. Or even mm. as we're watching, think about Tom Aspinall and, and Patty mm. Pimblett wow. having an opportunity as they are growing to fight in front of their home crowd. We saw the same thing with the Conor McGregor. We got to see it with, you know, Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker. Like those things are huge. And this is smart for boxing to kind of move toward that as well. Well, because you know why RC like a Tom Aspinall, right? We put Tom Aspinall mm -hmm. in in Wichita, Kansas. People will say, oh, it's Tom Aspinall, pretty cool. But the visual of the way they treat him at home mm -hmm. is like nothing else. Him and Patty Pimlet are absolute stars there. Molly yes. McCann, who has been up and down in her career, is a star there. So then you mm -hmm. can take them and it puts them into the next thing that's even bigger. And that's why you put people fighting in front of their home crowds because it, it, it really does build the resume. Now, we talk about what's next. Another guy mm -hmm. that fought last weekend, Errol Spence. You guys sat down with him, talked to him uh, during your fight week on, on the pivot. But Errol Spence is a fantastic fighter. Errol Spence went through some truly uh, horrific stuff in his personal life with the accident. But Errol Spence goes out last week and does what Errol Spence does and then says the words that everybody's been waiting to hear. Bud, let's go. And then Bud says something, and Errol says, say less. And now it seems like we get Errol Spence versus Terrence Crawford. How excited are you to see these two young fighters, great fighters, finally seemingly on a collision course with each other? DC, you said it in the, the second part of your description, young fighters. Mm -hmm. Remember, remember the days, man, of, and I was young, right? And so my dad's always 
hipping me to these things or getting to watch the the you know the replays, the the Hagler Hearns, the the the, the Sugar Ray Leonard's, the the Roberto Durant's. These this was when we had all of these fighters in or around the same weight class that didn't dodge each other in their prime. And, yep. and, and it gave you it gave you what the three or four rounds of Hagler Hearns where everybody Ooh. forgot that they even trained for the fight <laughs> and it was about technique and skill. And we just tried to kill each other or it got us no moss, you know, and so you get all of these things. But then when we had Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather, it seemed like we missed that opportunity. It was years to, late. It was years late. To, exactly. And, and, and I think that's what makes this that's what makes this better. And. You know, we went through the whole interview on the pivot and obviously uh, at the end, I say, OK, and I didn't even make it a big deal. I said, what about Bud? You know, are we going to get to see it? And he said, I have two belts beating. He's like beating uh, your dentist. You got Ugas is going to give me the third. And then there's only one more. And I think for Errol Spence, though. And D.C., you can you know get into this a little further because you understand it more. I think for Errol Spence, he also knew this is going to be the toughest belt to get that if you, that if you yeah that, that if you try to get this belt early and 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 truly unifying the weight class is what you want to do you may not be able to do it that route and so now you build this fight up as big as you possibly can it's for all the marbles it's for every belt and truly it gives you an opportunity with this being the last belt that if this is a close fight and it goes either way we see it again Yep. And people anticipate seeing it again. But when you look at the matchup of these two great young champions, how will you see this one playing out, DC? You know, that's a crazy fight. And, you know, when you said in their prime, see, it was our boy Floyd Mayweather. We all love Floyd. But Floyd had a way of finding guys at the right time. Manny, a couple years too late. Canelo, a couple years too early. He was the smartest businessman with the greatest because he knew exactly uh, what to do and when to fight guys, but these two in their prime ready to go. But here's my thought. You don't, you don't get, you don't have an accident like Errol had and it's free. You don't have to go through something like that as horrific as that was the injuries that he had to deal with and it not at some point rear its ugly head. I think that happens in a fight with a guy of the caliber of Terrence Crawford because it's not free. You don't get to, it's just like every fight you're in when you go to war with somebody, it's not free. You are taking damage to the chin. The body suffers. And I think that Errol Spence is still a world champion, high level fighter. But I think that in those moments with a guy like Terrence Crawford, when he has to really get into the gritty, I think he'll be getting hit in places that he mm. isn't normally dig so deep that it'll be uh, the injuries may start to show themselves a little bit uh, from all that he's gone through. I just don't think it's free. I don't think any damage to your body's free, man. And when you are driving your car and the whole top's off and it's flipped upside yeah. down and you're airlifted to the hospital, at some point, man, you got to pay for that. Uh, and I think that in a fight like that, and Bud's also grown into the weight class. Bud is now mm -hmm. a true 147 pound. He's not small anymore. He's big, he's strong, he's physical. And Terrence Crawford is nasty. Dude's nasty. Yeah. Great fight. I would kind of lean towards uh, Terrence Crawford today. Ask me that before the accident. I may have picked Errol Spence because he was bigger uh, in his skill level. But today, I think Terrence Crawford. But RC, you know what time it is. You know what time it is, coach. I only have my watch on. We're going to tap in, tap out. <laughs> Hit your boy line, Errol.
Hit your boy. Hit your boy line, RC. Corporate Jake. All right, Corporate guys. Jake, let's get it. All right, guys. Last week, Nick Diaz's coach teased the fact that Nick could return before the end of 2022. As for his brother, Nate, he continues to go back and forth on Twitter with Dustin Poirier. So, DC, tap in or tap out that we see Nick Diaz in the octagon again before his brother, Nate. No, 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 no. I tap off. It's me, Nathan. Nathan. Remember, he said he wanted to only be called Nathan. Do the text you. Dude will text you and be like, yo, what's up with this guy? Ryan Clark, he be all over you, Ryan. What's up with Ryan Clark, man? Nathan, hey, it'll be Nathan. He's going to imp at me. It'll be Nathan. It'll be Nathan first because my, my last visual of Nick Diaz, I don't feel like we're going to really see him again in the octagon because uh, the pictures, he looks shredded. Inside the octagon, he looked like a different man, and it didn't seem like he wanted to be in there. So I think we'll see Nathan first. Yeah, for me, I tap out on seeing Nick uh, before Nathan. And I also think that the the draw that Nathan Diaz is still matters. And I, and I do believe, too, that is kind of why we play double Dutch with his next bout. I think it has to be, you know, the, the contract situation has to be dealt with. And I think you want the right space for Nathan Diaz because we know that he's one of the few people in the sport that, when he shows up to the arena, mm -hmm. the pay-per-view views are high yep. and also the ticket sales are high. So he doesn't necessarily have to be on a card where a belt is up for grabs and he could still headline that with a five round fight. And so to me, I think Bro. that we see Nathan Diaz first. What's up? We next? Had Stipe and I, Stipe and I were in the second fight. Diaz was the co-main event. And I'm telling you, you see his bump in the pay-per-view sales. Uh, right away. So I believe we see him first. But what about Dustin? Him and Dustin keep going back and forth. And Dustin was seemed upset the other day. Say everybody's fake. I don't know who he was talking about. I, I can't tell if he was talking about Nate. I don't know what was going on. But to see those two fight would be fun. And um, it, it would be interesting. But I, I don't know if that's what the UFC has in plan for him or uh, Nathan Diaz. Corporate Jake. Hey guys, UFC 275 is headlined by two title fights in Singapore. However, the fight most people could be talking about come June is the rumored rematch between John Wei Lee and Yuani and Jacek. The first time these two fought was an instant classic. So RC, tap in or tap out. The timing is right for the Wei Lee Yuani rematch. Bro, I tap all the way in. And honestly, I think as long as we get this while they both can still flat out go, it's the right time. I would have taken it a year ago. I would have taken it in an immediate rematch. This was truly an opportunity in their first fight to watch two of the best mixed martial artists go toe-to-toe -to -toe and have zero back down. It was one of those fights for me that when I think back on just being a fan and just getting an opportunity to marvel at humans do things, one, I'm not capable of, and two, I'm not willing to freaking do, to watch two people do that, man, and, and to do it at the level in which both of these women did, man, was truly amazing. And I, I, I can tell you, I don't care who else is on that card. It's going to be hard to look forward to a fight more than that. One. I tap in because I remember the story. I remember the visual. And I kind of, I'm happy about it now, RC, because as you know, you and I as athletes, one of our greatest assets and our skills is the ability to forget Right. Mm. You, 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 somebody go past you on a pass and they score a touchdown. You got to forget that and get to the next thing. You get knocked out. You go back in there with a guy again. You got to forget about what happened prior. You hope that 
enough time has passed now for these two women to have forgotten a little bit of what went into that first fight. Because if they fought right behind each other, they went right into a rematch, they would have been like, eh, a little bit cautious. It would have been hard to live up to the fight that we saw before. Whereas now some time has passed. yoana uh, has been doing her own thing. Zhang Wei Li has fought Rose twice. It's like yeah. time has passed now. So that ability that fighters have to forget when the first interaction gives it a chance. But unfortunately, most rematches, just like Jurassic Park 2. Remember how good Jurassic Park was? <laughs> if you can watch Jurassic Park 2 and 3. It's like most rematches just don't live up. And I don't know if it could live up to it, but I think that time in between will allow for it to be a little better. Corporate Jake. Jake so Jake Paul is making the rounds again, calling out retired fighters. And this time he has taken aim at former middleweight champion and UFC Hall of Famer Michael Bisping. Bisping has responded with send the contract. DC, tap in or tap out on Paul turning his attention to Michael Bisping. <sighs> okay, so here we go. I'm I'm, tap, I'm tapping, I'm tapping in to Michael Bisping doing the fight with Jake Paul because I know Michael Bisping believes he can beat Jake Paul. So I guess I'm tapping in. I I I have some like. I just think that for Jake Paul, if he wants to be really considered a fighter, just like Mike said, if you want to fight a 43-year-old man with no eye and no no knees, then okay, send the contract. It's almost an acknowledgement of the type of athlete that Jake Paul yes. is wanting to fight. And I yes. think that if he wants to truly be taken seriously, he's going to have to do something different. Um, you know, I, we don't have much time. So it's hard for me to really get into my entire thoughts on this. Uh, but I'm tapping in because I know Mike can make a ton of money. I know Mike feels he can beat him. But there are so many other reasons why uh, I think Jake Paul should be targeting other people. Um, I tap out because I believe that I believe in consistency. And what we've seen consistently from Jake Paul is him picking fighters who, one, don't box. Um, and two, aren't in a place in their life or career that matches up with where Jake Paul is and with Jake now. And so when I say I tap out on, on it is like, OK, like this is no longer this is not boxing to me. Right. This is not a man trying to build a boxing career. This is not like the young boxers who are coming off of the amateur circuit and are now you know, starting their, their, their fighting career in six round fights. And so, uh, to me, um, the, the reasons DC would want to see it, you know, cause Mike thinks he can win, uh, Bisping also, um, can make a lot of money. Like I want to see that. Cause I just like the dude, you know what I mean? Cool but on, on, yeah, but on the other side of this being a building block for Jake Paul's career, that's a negative. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, for me, I tap out on it. All right, guys, last one. With Easter being this past Sunday, Angela Hill took to Instagram to show off her yeah. Easter egg art. Last year, she recreated the infamous DC Rogan yeah, panic yeah, reaction yeah. and yeah, followed it up yeah. this year with Ladies Darren Hill and Hamzat sitting yeah. on top of the cage. With So RC, tap in or tap out? Hamzat makes for better egg art than DC. <laughs> I tap in. Um, it, it surely makes for better egg art because DC... Head was turned this way. His hand <laughs> was over his head. It was like this. It was a it was a very, a very tough moment to 
egg recreate. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, Hamzad and, and Darren Till, they're just sitting on the, on, on, the, on the fence and they're just chilling. I think that was an easier one to recreate than DC. Also, don't wouldn't she have to get, you know, one of those extra large eggs that you got to get from like Whole Foods or something to be retired, DC? <laughs> first off, first off, I don't want no big eggs. Like, dude, that, that, look, I'm tapping out. The art of me and my boys were better. But but RC, first <laughs> off, like with eggs, chicken, I don't want no big eggs. I don't want no huge chicken breasts. I don't want my food looking all abnormal. Like, do you eat those big old chicken breasts and thighs? No, I it's don't. It's disgusting. No yeah, chicken know, is that big. No. Guys, that's, let, let, that's let, like let, eating yeah, a, a baby ostrich. Huh? That's, <laughs> that's like eating a baby ostrich. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, stop buying those big chicken breasts, man. Stop buying big chicken thighs. Chickens are not that big. Buy the smallest pack that you can get. I'm not doing none of that, and so I'm not eating no big egg. Like, what kind of dinosaur egg is that in the egg cart? But, um... Tap out, man. Forget that. Tap out. I'm not. My egg art was better. And you remember that was when Zhang Wei Lee got kicked in the face by Rose Namajunas. Remember that? Yes, was it was. That's why yeah. it was a crazy moment is why we were going <laughs> so nuts, man. It was, it was, uh, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. RC, look, man. Again, another great show. Always man, fun. so much Aljamain fun, bro. Sterling. Aljamain Sterling brought the heat as he always does. We get to talk fights and. We're getting close, dog. We're getting close to the reunion. Let me tell I you. I can't wait. The best. <laughs> We're going to be down in Arizona. We're going to be down in Arizona. Yes, sir. We're going to see 274. Dog, it's about to be great. Man, I can't wait to see you, bro. Listen, this was a great show. Every single week, man, we get more comfortable. But more importantly, we have more fun. I hope all the fans, I hope everybody subscribing, following, is enjoying what we're doing because we enjoy the hell out of it. May y'all have a good week. I'm Ryan Clark. That's my boy, DC. What you got? Hey, hey, did you see me last week reading the promo for our show? Too I did. It was excellent. We it was excellent. It, like, it, it was up. excellent. <laughs> That's a promo, dog. Let's go, man. <laughs> we see y'all next week.